0: to the No Right Way, the Messy Road to Eating Disorder Recovery
1: Podcast. We will be talking about the fears around body image, control with food, and how to challenge the expectations of diet culture and fat phobia. We're your
0: hosts, Allison Gomez, licensed marriage and family therapist,
1: and Katie Gaston, registered dietitian. Now, before we get started, this podcast is not a replacement for therapy, nor is it meant to be used for mental health, nutritional, medical, or psychiatric treatment. If
0: you are needing assistance, go to www.therapyden.com or inclusivetherapist.com to find a therapist in your area. For nutritional support, visit eatright.org to find a registered dietitian. Welcome back to another episode.
1: Yes, welcome, welcome.
0: Today we're going to be talking about how privilege is intersects with body image and relationships with our bodies and food and, or even like having
1: access to creativity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because access to healthcare, Mm -hmm. access to our inner selves, you know, yeah, there's so many different parts to this. And, and especially
0: because kind of, we're recording this in July of 2022. So, mm-hmm. you know, over the past like few weeks, we have like the overturning of Roe v. Wade and like mm-hmm. other measures that are going to potentially, not potentially, like if they were also overturned that, you know, more people mm-hmm. would be oppressed. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's really important when we think about these things, because it's not just like, oh, somebody's in a body. There's all these intersecting identities that mm-hmm. impact the way you view your body and how safe you are to access resources.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in terms of like eating disorder care, but also just in terms of like access to healthcare in general is not the same for every body, (laughs) you know, like every person does not have the same level of access, the same opportunities, the same like options. Um, and I think that's just really important to talk about because when you live in a certain body, you know, that's your experience and how you kind of view the world. And so I think it's really important to talk about, you know, that that people have different experiences, you know, when it comes to healthcare, eating disorder care, and just in general, you know, living in the body that they do.
0: Exactly. I was watching a TikTok, I, it, and it's one of my guilty pleasures, because I can get down the TikTok <laughs> rabbit hole, <laughs> like, I love my for you page is so informative, um, but <laughs> I, rem- I I was looking at this one TikTok person and she was talking about like just being in a bigger body and the stress that comes with it
1: mm-hmm. and
0: she's a native woman and so she and I think I made a comment like n- like this is you know this is part of the reason why you know people expect you to feel good in your body when literally mm-hmm. the messages are you suck if you're in a bigger mm-hmm. body
1: Mm-hmm. Or you suck
0: if you're in a bigger body and you're brown
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> or
0: or disabled,
1: mm-hmm. any
0: of these other intersecting identities, like there's literal messages like explicit mm-hmm. saying how you suck, and it really makes people feel so unsafe in their own bodies
1: mm-hmm. because
0: there's fear of like emotional social rejection or actually just getting physically hurt
1: mm-hmm. and neglected. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I touch upon like in my work, you know, body image, but, you know, I think that this kind of level is more in the therapeutic realm. So, you know, I would love to hear kind of like your thoughts or just, you know, the way to kind of like approach this, because yeah, I, you know, have people in, you know, different types of bodies that, you know, society deems to be not okay. And it's like, how do you try to, you know, as a person have, you know, body acceptance and, you know, body love or body neutrality, you know, like whatever is kind of the goal for yourself. And, you know, how do you kind of claim that for yourself when, you know, society is constantly bombarding you with like, yeah, very explicit, you know, not not passive, not, you know, covert, like very overt, like messages that your body, the way that it is, is not okay and not acceptable. And it's kind of this, you know, like, how do you on it, you know, like a larger part, like, how do you recover? (laughs) you know, in this society that does not support your recovery, you know, whether that be recovery from eating disorder recovery, you know, into from body hate into, you know, body neutrality, body acceptance, you know, body love, whatever um, the goal is for you. Like how, how do you have those two things, you know, happening at the same time? And I think that's, that's really difficult. I mean, difficult is underplaying it. <laughs> like.
0: I've been at a loss for words, like all day, I was talking to my mom and I'm like, I feel like this is the wrong word, but it's literally the only word that's coming to my head. Um, Cause I feel like that with so many different things, but you know, I was also thinking about as you're saying it, like, how do you recover? It's like, I don't think you can because it's, con- mm. okay. So like one of the things I absolutely, and it's not that I hate working with these types of clients. It's just me as a therapist, I like seeing clients improve obviously like (laughs) I want them to start feeling better and so it's a hard place for me when I see clients who are still actively getting hurt by the people in their Mm -hmm. environment with very little resources Mm -hmm. to get out because sometimes Mm -hmm. there's ways to like in those relationship and kind of heal that trauma Mm
1: -hmm. so you can
0: move forward and then there's situations where there's literally nothing you can do Mm -hmm. and you have to just like the abuse is just going to keep going because even if you leave it you're going to get abused that way in a different situation mm-hmm. in this different, different environment. Um, and I think about this, especially like for like people in bigger bodies, like when they go to the mm-hmm. doctor, you know, it's mm-hmm. how are you supposed to feel safe going to your doctor mm-hmm. when they, they say fatphobic things. But even if you go to another doctor, there's a high probability that they're just going to be as fatphobic. So it's kind of like, mm-hmm. well, I just got to accept it. And it really sucks because it is so immensely harmful. Mm -hmm. my kid um over the last couple of weeks scraped his arm he was playing Mm -hmm. he was running um and he tripped and fell and he scraped his arm and it really hurt and then it scabbed and it wasn't hurting as much Mm
1: -hmm.
0: but I'm kind of like picturing like you know with systemic oppression like you get the scab but instead of letting it scab, or you get this Mm -hmm. wound and instead of letting it scab up we're like picking mm-hmm. at the scab and so it doesn't really get mm-hmm. to truly heal because mm-hmm. it, it doesn't, there's no opportunities for it to heal. Mm-hmm. So it's like, mm-hmm. you have to like heal in an environment that's actively trying to make sure you don't.
1: Mm-hmm. And it's almost like not even you picking the scab and not letting it heal. It's like others coming in and picking the scab mm-hmm. so that it can't heal. <laughs>
0: Yeah, or even if you're the one picking a scab, it's because everyone's Mm -hmm. telling you to go pick the scab. Yeah,
1: yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, the Mm -hmm. amount
0: of self-hate when coming, like when looking at your body and it not Mm -hmm. being like the ideal size. Mm -hmm. But you didn't learn to pick that your own scab. That way. like, it wasn't Mm -hmm. like you choosing to. It's the Mm -hmm. messages. It's the way people treat you.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, like when you see little kids interacting with their bodies. Like it's so beautiful because they just don't, they haven't learned these things. It's exactly what you said. It's learned. It's not fact. It's not like, you know, like being in a larger body is like factually bad. It's a learned, you know, kind of societal thought. And I think that that's like, really important because it's so hard in our medical system is so weight centric. And so it's like finding studies anywhere that can like back up that, like, you know, being in a larger body is bad, but it's like approaching it from the mindset that like, there's going to be confirmational bias and really like looking at the studies of like, you know, what was the purpose of this study? You know, like are, you know, how are they getting these kind of conclusions and, you know, the weight loss studies and like the, you know, weight centric studies around like, oh, if you like lost weight, then it heals this, you know, disease or whatever. it they fall apart really easily, you know, like when you kind of like go in and pick them apart a little bit more. Like they, yeah, like I said, they fall apart really easily because it's just like, you, you see all of the holes and the cracks in it. And I think we need to remember like, you know, studies are great. Like studies, you know, kind of can show us and research and science and all of these things, but at the same time, like there's humans behind that research and science and studies. So it's like kind of, you know, viewing each study from a very like critical and just questioning lens just because humans are conducting these you know and humans are imperfect
0: I feel I can go a whole soapbox on like mm-hmm. research and
1: politics because I mean
0: a study mm-hmm. isn't just a study it's who's funding the study
1: mm-hmm. and why are they
0: getting funded
1: mm-hmm.
0: and it's not just oh it's because you had a great question it's like based on your previous studies and whether or not mm-hmm. they had like significant results or whether or not mm-hmm. like there's a lot of politics in creating studies and and depending on the resources do they really have like good methods to mm-hmm. be able to gather the data that they're looking for and even with that like are we really looking at the um the limitations or are we trying to like kind of like put pieces together that really like maybe they're correlated but they're not actually causation but like it it's mm-hmm. super complicated but and yet it's like a study becomes like a fact like no it's an interpretation Mm -hmm. based on this data Mm
1: -hmm. and it
0: may or may not be true it's just that's Mm -hmm. that's what you got but it has such an impact on how people are perceived like my my kiddo uh, has a three-year has a three-year checkup and Mm -hmm. on the like the sheet where you you know like oh do they like not watch iPads or whatever or are they like wearing their car seat are they brushing their teeth it also had a part where it said are you worried about their weight mm. and I'm like my kids three
1: mm-hmm oh god mm-hmm like my it's kids starting three. younger and younger <laughs> yeah oh it just
0: like what? talking
1: about how like it's just getting younger and younger like mm-hmm. I it <laughs> I just, like, it breaks my heart.
0: Well, yeah, because he's three, and if I was, yeah, like, and I'm actively trying to not make comments about his body. Mm-hmm. I'm actively mm-hmm. ma- trying not to make comments about my own body around him, because right. they, kids internalize the stuff that their parents do to themselves. Mm-hmm. Am I always 100% perfect? No, because mm-hmm. how are you supposed to be perfect in an environment where this is the norm, you know? If, right. You're fighting, like, you're going upstream, you know? and. Right but I feel like I, for the most part, like I, I'm good at like just body neutrality or like, Hey, let's look at mm-hmm. our strengths of our body. Whoa. Mm-hmm. look, you did a monkey crawl all around the, mm-hmm. the edge of the pool. But then there's other children who are in household where like their three-year-olds do go on diets.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm, <laughs> this is going to be very tangential and very specific. Um, but what's popping into my mind I actually, I don't know if I should talk about it it's, it's Stranger Things, but it's a little bit of Stranger Things spoilers because it's like the last season. So I don't know. I don't know if I should, but I guess I can be general. Um, but like, I don't know if you've watched Stranger Things, um, but okay. There's a part where like um, these teenagers are being um, kind of infiltrated by their worst memories and um, like things that are deeply traumatizing and impactful to them and one girl's like traumatizing memory is like her mom so she's like the head cheerleader and her mom is like yelling at her saying that like she's gotten too big like she's gonna have to like alter her cheerleading outfit and that like she you know should be like losing weight like she should be like a certain weight and, all these, and that's like her most traumatizing thing and like I think pulling this into like our, like, that's just what I thought of, of like, this is deeply traumatizing. Like, I think that, um, you know, I'm a dietitian, not a therapist, but like, you know, from my own kind of knowledge or change of knowledge of like what trauma is, you know, where I think we usually, you know, used to, or at least I used to think of, you know, what big T trauma or the like, you know. PTSD of like you were in the war and like you know that's where it kind of like came about and came from but really like you know we're really opening our minds to like what trauma is for each person and in ways that is not like belittling or making smaller that like these events can be deeply deeply traumatic you know whether it's yeah comments from like your childhood or growing up or comments from family members, comments from doctors. Yeah. Getting access to medical care should not be a traumatizing thing. It should be incredibly supportive. It should be, you know, like you're going through this really, really hard thing. And like, you're going to get access for help. And it is not that. And I, like, I, it just like the, the stories that I hear from clients of like what doctors tell them and what they say to them. I'm just, uh, (laughs) I don't have words for like how much it breaks my heart and makes me want to scream where it's just like, this is not okay. Like this is not okay for people to be treated like this when they are going to get Healthcare access, like, and these are the people that can, you know, go to the doctor and get access to care. And like, there's the privilege in that. And like, this is how they're being treated just because they live in a different body. And it just, uh, yeah, I guess kind of just like holding all of that just like together is, yeah, I mean, trying to support people in that and just, you know, be a voice of like, I worked in the hospital, like I, (laughs) I've worked with doctors, like I, you know, I've had comments made towards me about my own body when I go to the doctor. And by no means is it like, you know, the comments that a lot of, you know, people get that are much, much worse, but it's like, man, like, I have, you know, like, access to medical care is a privilege and i also view like my medical knowledge to be a huge privilege because like i've worked in the hospital like i have you know i know the way that it works and also now that i take insurance for my practice like i feel like i have insurance privilege of like now i understand how insurance works like you know so it's it's all of these things that i still struggle with you know like i had like a chronic pain issue a couple years ago and it was like awful it was a um, year of just it really messes with you mentally and emotionally. And it just like completely like cut me down. And I was going to like doctor after doctor, after doctor, and like all of these different, trying to just try all these different things going into like medical debt. And it's like, yeah, me coming from all of these places of privilege and still really struggling. And it's just, again, just, I guess, I don't really know, like, how to conclude, like, what I'm trying to say, but I guess just having it all together like that. I was thinking
0: about the intersectionalities of, like, of your identity and your experiences because even though you have areas of privilege and I think this is where a lot of people have tr- trouble with the idea of privilege like oh i have privilege and therefore blah 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 mm-hmm. like no you you have you, these are the areas where you have privilege so maybe you don't have to fear as much mm-hmm. judgment in these areas or fear getting mm-hmm. hurt or held back in these areas but mm-hmm. but chronic illness is you know, that's a disability and it's Mm -hmm. very, for many people, it's a very invisible disability. And so Mm -hmm. there's a lot of gaslighting by medical professionals Mm -hmm. to get to the root cause or an awareness of, okay, what's actually going on without Mm -hmm. like the gaslighting of, well, maybe it's all in your head. Mm -hmm. I had this one class in as an undergrad for clinical psychology. I'm like, as an undergrad, I did not want to be a therapist. I was like, you know what? I'm really emotionally invested in people. (laughs) And I'm gonna see them and they're all gonna die. And I'm just like, I just can't. (laughs) But then I started working at the hotline. I learned a thing called boundaries. I'm like, oh, Mm -hmm. maybe I can't Mm -hmm. be a therapist. But prior to that, I wanted to do like research. So I wanted to do research in clinical psychology. I took this class. It was not about researching clinical psychology. It was like Mm -hmm. actually about practicing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: and i'm like you, <laughs> but <laughs> part of but one of the things that really i really appreciate was one the misuses of science and how science can be used to hurt marginalized mm-hmm. people and to my mm-hmm. my super or my super my, my professor who was a therapist also had um a chronic illness like lyme mm-hmm. disease mm-hmm. and and so she was talking about how like clients will come to you because their doctors are going to refer them to you because they're like, Oh, mm-hmm. maybe it's like all in their head when mm-hmm. no, maybe it's actually like something going on in your body and they just have no clue yeah. what's going on. Right. And it, and like, and for the people who have the privilege of being able to see like these healthcare providers, like I have an HMO. Mm-hmm. So like, if I want to see someone specific, I mm-hmm. got to pay out of pocket because the primary, my primary is the one who gets to determine whether or right. not I get to see someone. Mm-hmm. And so like, even with that, it can still be really painful, and maybe you have better access to it, so you might get some answers but like it's right it's a really abusive, painful crazy making process like yes, And it's awful and then we want it get goes back yeah. to like that safety like how are you supposed to heal when you're not even allowed to feel safe in your body when you're not allowed to feel safe in the environment
1: mm-hmm. and kind of what we touched upon before like I was really realizing um like, you know, being a woman (laughs) trying to navigate like this chronic pain where it was predominantly something that affects women, it was like, just really in my face of like, wow, like women's healthcare is just widely, like you're saying, like you get gaslit, you get kind of said like, oh, it's really not that bad. Like, Oh, most people don't experience this level of pain or like, Oh, it's probably, you know, and it's just like, you're not taken seriously because like the medicine and the research is not there to be taken seriously, you know, for millennia, like all studies were done on like white males in their fifties. Like, and that's our entire medical system is on the foundation of that population. Mm -hmm. And so then it's like, people have different bodies from that are kind of just like inserted in as just kind of like a secondary thing. And, you know, bringing in like the overturning of Roe v. Wade, it's like, you know, people with uteruses, (laughs) women identifying like women, like, it's just, it makes you feel like a second-rate citizen because it's like, oh, this system is not set up for me. <laughs> like, and it's just staring you in the face when you're trying to navigate it. It's just over and over and over again being told that, like, this system is not for you.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it kind of amplifies them because if we're looking at intersectionality, even when you're, even with Roe v. Wade, still before it was overturned, there was still a lot of I guess like lack of support for for people with uteruses, uteri, uterus, uteri? Uteri. Yeah. Um, (laughs) If if, especially if you're black or brown or poor. Mm -hmm. Like you still couldn't have access. Right. Or like, you know, immigrant women over at the border in the detention centers where they were having hysterectomies without their Mm -hmm. consent. And so it's like this compounds it Mm -hmm. um but as a result people aren't feeling safe to be in their body or safe to have that agency and Mm -hmm. that definitely impacts the way you view your body Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and how you interact with others and it also impacts how you get to view other people's bodies Yeah. It's not just Mm -hmm. one thing. And I mean, and and again, it intersects with all these other different things. This is what I expect your body to do or not do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: And And I think, think, mm -hmm. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no, you go. No. Yeah. Just to like piggyback off of that, of like what your body can and can't do from like an ableist perspective, but then also like the way that we're gaslit into like how much control. Quote unquote control we have over our weight. Like we actually don't have a whole lot of control over our weight, like not to the degree that we are told that we do. So it's like when society deems like your body to not be okay, there's then that extra layer of like your body is not okay. And it's your doing that. It's not okay. When really like your weight is impacted by so many different things and context and privilege and access. Like it's actually not as controllable as we are led to believe. And I think that's really hard when like, I kind of talk through with my clients with that kind of, cause that's just what we're told over and over and over again is like, you have complete control of your weight. So if your weight is not an acceptable weight range based on other people's opinions, like then it's entirely upon you. And it's entirely your fault when that is the biggest lie ever. I mean, it's just not true. It's false.
0: I'm, I'm going to have a geeky moment because I actually mm-hmm. thought about this when you mentioned stranger things. So spoiler mm-hmm. alert for Grey's Anatomy season 18. Um, <laughs> So it was interesting because there's this one character on the show who's in a heavier body and her knee was just really hurting. Mm -hmm. And one of the doctors who's like an ortho surgeon or whatever, and Mm -hmm. he's like, oh, well, you just need to lose some weight. Mm -hmm. Just Mm -hmm. just go walk around the block. Like, no, I'm a, I'm a, like a kindergarten teacher. Like I'm a, I'm a teacher with really young kids. Like I'm Mm -hmm. on my feet all day. Like this Mm -hmm. isn't gonna, this isn't gonna fix it. It's like, yeah, mm-hmm. maybe you should just like watch what you eat and go on a walk. It's amazing what a walk can do. And she's just like, you know what, like, screw you. Mm-hmm. But his um uh, his resident was like, no, actually, I think there's something wrong with her foot, and it's causing like her knee to like get mm-hmm, have pain. Mm-hmm. And I don't think this has mm-hmm. anything to do with her weight. And it doesn't matter how much weight she would have lost, mm-hmm. her knee would still hurt. And so mm-hmm. they were like calling it out on the show, and they were calling it out like, he's like, well, her BMI is like, oh, the BMI is beat like it's bullshit. And I'm like,
1: oh, oh my gosh, thank you, Crazy like, me to like normalizing this. Yeah, I'm like getting chills. I'm like, <laughs> whoa, like a very popular you know like medical show is mm-hmm. actually like displaying right? <laughs> like what i want healthcare to look like of like mm-hmm. bmi is bullshit um actually like let's look at you know the real problem you know and not just like assuming this person's life you know and assuming this person's you know like habits and everything because yeah you can't look at a person's body and know like anything you know anything about them like you just can't and so it's not assuming any of those things and actually looking at the root of the problem and then helping that person
0: and and then get this and then she talks about like well why did they talk to ask well why do they still have the bi me and my and like well insurance insurance Mm -hmm. wants to like yes they make judgments about these things when insurance really doesn't need to and mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, my gosh, thank you for saying stuff that's, like, actually being yeah, discussed in, like, shook. <laughs> I know, I was, I, I don't know if I finished that episode, but I was like, yeah, I, w- I was very excited. Um, and I know we've been kind of talking about, like, the frustrations and the helplessness of all mm-hmm. of this, because it really mm-hmm. is it's this big systemic thing and it needs to mm-hmm. change on this big systemic level mm-hmm. and not one, mm-hmm. any one individual is going to make yes that change we mm-hmm. all can contribute to trying to make a change
1: uh-huh mm-hmm.
0: but it really has to we're also depending on our community to try to do so let's shift this a little bit to from areas where we're helpless mm-hmm. to yeah. Where can we actually have like that autonomy where we can have that, that power to decide how we're going to feel about our bodies?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I agree. I, I think that like back to like my own kind of like chronic pain struggles, like that was the thing that kept me going is just that hope that like I would figure you know quote unquote figure it out um and that I would honestly my biggest thing was that I would find a medical professional that was like supportive and I think that was like everything for me like finally finding someone that like I felt like they were in my corner I mean that, and you can find it in places that maybe like, I wasn't totally expecting like directly, like, honestly, like my biggest support system became my physical therapist. Like she, like, I'm just like, I think back on that. And I'm like, she honestly saved me like from so much, just like mental and emotional and physical pain. Um, Because like, she really was like, okay, every time I'd like go to another doctor to try and like, you know, figure this out, like she would come back and, and I would say, yeah, like that person really didn't help me. And she's like, all right, like, let's, you know, try a different one. And like, you know, she was always like, okay, let's keep going. Let's, and like, it was just such a support. And so like, that was, like I said, that was everything to me. Um, so kind of just like trying to keep the hope of like, things are changing. Like, even if it's like, seems very small and like, you know, if you see like 50 doctors, like maybe there's going to be the one that like, Helps, but like they are out there. And like you're saying with Grey's Anatomy, like it is becoming more of a thing to know like BMI is bullshit. Like our medical system is weight centric and that's actually not sound medical care. And it is slow, slow, slow change, but I do kind of see it slowly changing. So that I guess is my hope for that. And, you know, finding practitioners again, like maybe not directly, but like you or I, where there's just someone in your corner, you know, where. I can't directly, you know, help my clients with getting like the surgeries that they need and things like that. But I hope that, you know, I'm someone in their corner when they're getting gaslit by these doctors. And then it's kind of like, they come into session and they're like, this is what they're saying. These are the studies. And it's like, all right, let's, you know, break them down. Let's dismantle them. Like, you know, kind of getting like recentered back to like your own goals and your own core beliefs of, and like working towards like keeping yourself um you know like solid and safety in you know the core way that you're able to and then because yeah the the real world is going to be harsh and awful and really just oppressive sometimes
0: a lot of times right yeah. um and i think it like for me i what i like to recommend is don't take responsibility for what's not yours
1: Mm -hmm.
0: like I think because it's so easy to internalize it and it's not like oh just like a mindset shift um Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) because obviously Mm -hmm.
0: the way I view it is if you're swimming in a pool of this is what everyone else believes it's hard not Mm -hmm. to like yeah like absorb that But it's more like, okay, like maybe we can put on this bodysuit instead. So maybe Mm -hmm. some of it's not going to get absorbed. Some of it's going to stay on the outside and knowing like I'm not responsible for having to live up to a fat phobic society, to a racist society, to a misogynistic society. I like that's that's their problem. Yeah, it does impact me and it does make me feel like shit, but I don't have to believe that either. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot easier, kind of like as you were talking about, like with having, finding people who are going to be supportive, but also Mm -hmm. finding like friends and family or whoever who share Mm -hmm. those same values, because the more you're able to like have people in your corner who can support you, have your own community, the bigger Mm -hmm. the buffer. Versus yep. you having to do this all on your own, when you have to do this all on your own, it really is you kind of against the world, but you don't have to make it the you against the world thing. Mm-hmm. And the beautiful thing about technology is, you know, we can yes. meet other people, even if they're not physically around us. Mm-hmm. They're there.
1: Yeah.
0: And they're wanting to build a bigger community because with that bigger yep. community, and this is what I was talking about, with that bigger community, the more power you have to advocate.
1: Yeah versus yeah. just you being yep. by
0: yourself and so find that community and mm-hmm. don't and don't let the bullshit win mm-hmm. like, if,
1: Ooh, it like, like it, if it does occasionally
0: like and if it does occasionally like whatever that yeah. happens like because mm-hmm. again we're, we're swimming in this
1: mm-hmm. and you're not and then you go back to your community and you mm-hmm. say the bullshit won today like help me and then you get a bunch of people that are like you know we'll help you today you know mm-hmm. say exactly. that the bullshit's not gonna win yeah like part of why I love group therapy. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, you nailed it. Like community to me is like such an amazing, I don't even want to call it an antidote, but just like, just a, an amazing support, like just be a most like, yeah. Cause you, it can feel very lonely. And I think eating disorders want you to feel lonely, you know, like your eating disorder wants to isolate you because it wants the behaviors to continue. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's harder to do if you're, you know, around people around a community around, you know, like support for, you know, the voices other than your eating disorder voice telling you. And so, yeah, it's finding the communities that, yeah, you really feel supported in. And like you said, I think the internet is an amazing place for that. Cause you can find very specific, you know, people who are in eating disorder recovery, who are like watching stranger things and are triggered. you know, Like it's very, very, can get very specific.
0: I think I even remember seeing like a BIPOC eating disorder group because eating disorders kind of like, treatments very known for just like white women Mm -hmm. and I'm like oh that is amazing or even Mm -hmm. um like all these again like going to all these other different intersectionalities because different people have different experiences but like even like disabled people with Mm -hmm. eating disorders because that is a thing too
1: you know there's a different experience yeah
0: so there's probably a community out there for you um Mm -hmm. if you're struggling to look for a community I I don't think I have any like specific recommendations on where you can find one just quite yet, but.
1: I have been like, I never use Facebook anymore, really, but Facebook groups are really active and quite amazing. Um, I'm like a part of a few of them, like myself for just various things. Um, so I do there's definitely ones on there. Like um, intuitive eating for newbies is one that I know and kind of send people to like, Um, it's, it's called like for newbies, but I mean, honestly, people, you know, all across like the spectrum of like dieting recovery and like eating disorder recovery and like intuitive eating, like I've seen tons of different, you know, people on there. And so it doesn't necessarily need to be for like anyone who's like new to it, but, um, yeah, Facebook groups are the kind of thing that pops to mind that, um, are, you know, kind of like ongoing, um, because yeah, I know that there's different ones, um, that are kind of like cycled, you know, where there are certain times of the year or like, you know, yeah. a six week ty- kind of thing, but yeah, Facebook groups are kind of what pops to my mind.
0: Yeah. Maybe if we find some stuff we'll post them in yeah. the show notes. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. That sounds good. <laughs>
0: well, thank you guys so much for joining us today. And until next time. Yes. Thank you so much. Toodles. Bye.
1: If you have enjoyed today's podcast, please make sure to leave us a review. If you would like to know more about us, go to katiegaston.com or healingwithgroup.com.